lecture three part two of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture three on the difficulties of virtue part two if there were not labors calling for effort and endurance in the virtues they would not be of inestimable value if they did not claim the whole man they would not constitute the health and vigor of his life we must either take them for our strength or consent to be spiritual invalids or even to be infected with some mortal malady whatever labors or solicitudes accompany the virtues in their progress much greater are the labors the troubles and even the miseries that follow the vices nor are they by any means absent even from those subtle interior vices which are invisible to human eyes and which it is the work of humility and self-renunciation to discover and to remove not that the removal or destruction of the things denied or mortified is the destruction of nature or any part of nature but it is the destruction of those propensities that soil and encumber and corrupt its integrity purity and freedom that it may receive a divine perfection we must choose therefore between the labors of virtue and the heavier labors of vice for there is no other alternative we cannot stand still in one place and condition as though we were statues and not human beings we must go one way or the other and unless we strive against our downward propensities we shall descend to what is worse than what we are to drink a bitter draught is not pleasant at the moment but to obtain health from the draught is pleasant to the whole man this is an image of the first steps in self-denial the pain of which is soon changed into the sweetness of healthy life whilst vicious habits even those that are interior begin in a sweet delusion and end in bitterness and if still pursued they settle down upon the vapid lees of a pleasure past and gone what is a harmless bitterness at the beginning compared with an evil bitterness at the end joined to the horror of having defiled a spirit divinely created for the holiest and purest good to conceal the labors of virtue from a soul is to judge her unworthy of them god has planted a predisposition for them in the deepest appetite of our soul in our appetite for universal good and the will is more easily roused to energy and exertion in the face of difficulties where reward lies beyond them it is the ease and smoothness of the path that fosters indolence and indifference the irascible powers are strong in human nature and love to contend with difficulties where there is an adequate motive convert them to their just objects and the evil in them when in a wrong direction will become absorbed and purified by their right direction when a man sets himself to make a name a fortune or a position in the world 
the difficulties in his way become the cause of his success they draw forth his latent energies increase his acuteness and exercise his resolution patience and perseverance each obstacle augments his courage each step gained is a reward where there is not utter degeneration the love of rising over obstacles is inherent in human nature and is confined to neither sex what is the secret charm of those innumerable stories that never fail to interest both youth and age forsooth he cometh with a tale he cometh with a tale that draweth children from their play and old men from the chimney-corner it is always the old tale new through a thousand editions of some dear object to be gained that fascinates the soul but is only achieved through the conquest of many obstacles that meet the adventurer on untried ways and the prize that makes him happy is won by faith courage and perseverance tales like these are the unconscious exposition of the mystery of human life the christian knight of romance goes forth in the springtide of life on his enterprise of chivalry he finds some holy hermit in the woods skilled in the ways of god and of human life who purifies his conscience blesses his sword and gives him the spell of faith that masters all enchantments he proceeds on his way and meets visions of terror that guard the enchanted castle horrible monsters roam about and threaten him strong giants seem to guard every approach he draws his sword repeats the word of faith strikes one blow and the portentous vision is dissolved he sets the captive christians free and they find they have been imprisoned in delusion what is this but an exposition of the truth that most of our fears are the work of imagination that most of our obstacles are the delusions of self-love and that the prison in which we are confined is raised around us by the enchantments of pride one courageous stroke at them with the cross is the word of faith and they fall to nothing excepting our spiritual adversaries of whom we have already spoken and who are easily overcome by faith and the cross there is nothing external to be conquered but human respect and even the cause of this unnerving influence is within us it exudes and flows over us from the mingled efforts of false shame and fear of criticism which have their cause in pride and cover us like a garment of green skins that tightens as the moisture evaporates until liberty is exchanged for torture nothing cramps the freedom of the soul in a greater degree than the fear of what others will think and say but the ways of god's servants are not the ways of the world and the first thing to be done after taking the narrow way is to shut the world out of consideration and look only to the approval of god life in the presence of god is the great safeguard against human respect 
and the sense of our accountability to the divine majesty at every moment lifts the soul above the trivial thoughts and light fashions of human opinion the imagination is a great inventor of terror there is an organic and intimate connection both of the outward and inward senses with the imagination which may truly be called the spirit of the flesh as it refines and subtilizes and spiritualizes and depicts in exaggerated forms everything that moves in the senses changing with all their moods and variable humors a soul under the dominion of this spirit of the senses is light and trivial at one moment sad at another full of unfounded fears at another all this springs from the subjective man not from the objective light of god in the mind and conscience which is our true enlightener our true guide and the corrector of all that works trouble in the imagination it is the work of spiritual direction when we have got astray among the fancies and fears generated in the imagination to bring us back to the truth contained in this spiritual light for the subtle power of the imagination when under the impulse of the blind and selfish senses magnifies every difficulty especially in what regards the denial of the corporal senses and the inward sense of self-love and raises up discouraging fears without any reasonable cause often again through this force of imagination will the inexperienced soul mistake oppressions in the body for depressions of the soul and thus produce a real depression and discouragement surrender her liberty to these depressions and thus drawn into them she next gives way to disheartening doubts and fears about her state and absorbed in these discouragements loses the spring of her will and the inclination to lift up her head to the light of god in the mind that would restore her confidence and dispel the illusion under which she labors the imagination again is a great exaggerator of pain both corporal and spiritual if what we suffer in the body or in the labor of self-abnegation or in the trials of the spirit were divested of the imaginative fears that increase and multiply them we should suffer comparatively little but through the fears conjured up through the apprehensions of the imagination we anticipate greater pain and difficulty in what we have to do or encounter than we find in the reality we exaggerate the present difficulty or suffering and are thus alarmed or even dismayed from doing what we ought to do or from giving up what we ought to give up the first purgation of the soul therefore is the purgation from the dominion of the senses and of the spirit of the senses in the imperious control of the imagination so that we may rise out of them and live in the light of god and become gradually freed from the false alarms delusive fears and petulant disturbances that absorb so much of the mind and heart 
and that harass the soul with frequent apprehension and solicitude where there is a real evil on which the finger of the conscience can be put let it be at once looked to repented and corrected this is the first and most pressing duty of the soul to endure no real evil or suffer it to remain but it is those vague and indefinite fears and alarms that come not from conscience but imagination that keep the soul in a state of discouragement fret and irritate the temper and keep the will back from generously rising to god in imagining what has to be abandoned self-love will dread the pain and loss without seeing the divine compensation in the good that will come in its place in imagining what is to be overcome the same self-love will enlarge the obstacle augment the labor and pain of the effort and close the eye to the grace that strengthens the will and to the high motives that encourage its action making such a future for us as will never come the imagination will burden the duty of the present hour with that fantastic future and give rise to broodings and fears of obstacles to perseverance that will never arise as they are anticipated and which in whatever shape they may arise will not come without the divine help to conquer them this indulging of the imagination upon oneself is very weakening to the soul obscures the present light absorbs and troubles the force of the will takes it off from working generously with the grace of god diverts its attention from its true object relaxes the virtues discourages the soul with vain and useless alarms and weighs the spirit down with sadness thus the soul makes her own fears very far from the fear of god her own difficulties such as god has never made and her own disheartenments where god would have her lift her heart to him this is neither humility nor the way to humility it is all the vapour of self-love it is not self-knowledge but delusion one stroke of light from god will pierce through the whole mist reveal the soul to herself show her how she has been nursing her self-love and compel her to confess that she is nothing without god and must go to him for light and strength take off your imagination from yourself and nine-tenths of your difficulties will be removed you will then become subject to the light of god you will lift up your mind to the great motives of your enterprise and pray with clear intention for the divine help to advance with courage on the way to god instead of looking back where there is nothing to be done or forward where nothing has yet come instead of inventing obstacles that nowhere exist except in the unmortified senses in self-love and in the imagination let the soul be assured that she has nothing to overcome but herself and that every time she overcomes herself the next step will be easier 
when the imagination is brought under discipline and made the servant instead of the master it will come over to the service of our good habits unreasonable fears will cease with its opposition and holy habits will be loved as those discarded habits never could be loved all that we have said shows the value of a well-informed and experienced guide who can explain to the soul what is really amiss in her remove unnecessary apprehensions teach her how to use her powers aright and inspire her good will with courage and confidence amidst the clamour for universal education for progress in the arts and sciences for the sound training of every man and woman in their own art duty or profession all excellent things when under the dominion of the moral order ordained by god the votaries of the world who know all wants except those of the soul exclaim against spiritual direction they cannot realize to themselves what they never think of that all things are for the soul and the soul for god and that there is a science an art the very first of all arts an education and the training of the soul whereby knowledge removes ignorance experience provides against inexperience prudence removes perplexities medicinal remedies give health and wisdom teaches the way to better things is the body to be trained in all manly exercises by skilful teachers the mind to be trained to the exercise of its powers by men already experienced in the rules and the soul which is the very life on which all depends to have no education is no one to teach her the athletics of the virtues no one to train her to run the way of perfection this was not plato's view nor that of pythagoras nor of any of those heathen philosophers who considered the guidance of souls the first duty of the wise yet they had no divine system resting on inspired authority such as christ has left to us when a virtuous habit is forming it inclines to the good of its object feeling towards that good in proportion to the earnestness of desire until the will acts through that power with promptitude and firmness and moves to its object with ease and rapidity every virtue is proportioned to its generosity and this generosity is the spirit of self-sacrifice doing a willing violence to self-love or self-interest for the object to which a virtue moves is neither ourselves nor any part of ourselves but a greater good of which we desire to partake so that the will must go forth out of oneself to embrace that good the will that seeks the highest good draws all things to god and the love of god makes the way of virtue sweet and generous with respect to the management of the imagination our lord has given us a rule that is applicable to many things be not solicitous for to-morrow for the morrow will provide for itself 
sufficient for the day is the evil thereof st matthew chapter six verse thirty four although the literal sense of this admonition relates to the things of the body the rule is equally applicable to the things of the soul do not imagine difficulties before they come to imagine them is to make them you have the light and help of the present hour and duty but not of the future you know not says st james what to-morrow will bring st james chapter four verse fourteen to-morrow will have its providence as well as to-day the trial of to-morrow is not the trial of to-day and the light and help of to-day is not the light and help of to-morrow to lay the burden of the future on the present is what god never intended he gives to each day its duty and to each day its help to each hour its duty or trial and to each hour its help to load the present hour with the burden of the future that never comes as anticipated is both to encumber the present duty and weary the mind and to derange the order of divine providence in your conduct thus that is made heavy which god has made easy there are persons also who burden the present with the past calling up past errors not as subjects of present humiliation or penance but to judge them anew by present lights and troubling the present peace of the conscience as if they had not been judged by the light of the time and were responsible anew to the greater light received since the time when they were brought in sincerity to the tribunal of penance this greater light undoubtedly increases their deformity and makes them a great subject for humiliation but they were judged and condemned in the light of the time and if every new light upon them is to bring them anew to the tribunal the soul will never have peace or security this loading of the present hour with the past and with the future destroys freedom simplicity and peace what you have now to do do with all your heart and strength and remember that the best preparation for duties to come is the careful performance of the duty in hand this does not however exclude what is really foreseen and must be now provided for for that is an actual duty of the present hour there are not a few people of whom it may be said that they scarcely ever live they are always away from themselves in some wrong direction they moon over the shadows of things past and gone or over possibilities to come or over things distant from them or over what they fancy they would like better than what they have or are they dream more than they live god is the eternal present and the eternal life in him there is no past distant or future and the secret of life is to live in the present with god and to fulfil the duty of the present in the presence of god this gives patience strength and peace the other rule which our lord has given us for conquering our difficulties 
is sharp and effective and happy are they who realize its full significance the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent bear it away of what kingdom of heaven is he speaking but of that of which he said the kingdom of heaven is within you of that kingdom for which he taught us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven it is the reign of god within us that is obtained by doing violence to ourselves this violence consists in the denial of our sensual appetites and in the renunciation of self-love by the first we remove the fuel that feeds the fire of concupiscence by the second we destroy the fuel that feeds the blinding vices of pride and vanity by removing these we not only weaken the vices in their causes but overcome our repugnance to the way of the cross the true path of the christian soul for our lord himself explained this law of generous violence when he said if any one will follow me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it st mark chapter eight verses thirty four and thirty five this is the first condition of christian progress we must part with the old to receive the new the first step is the venture of faith and this venture is a sacrifice in the confidence that we shall receive a great return st justin the martyr a native of palestine made diligent search for the unwritten words of our lord and tells that he often said be ye good traffickers this corresponds with his parable of the merchant who gave all that he had to purchase that precious pearl which is the kingdom of heaven he also gave us the promise which for nineteen centuries he has fulfilled to his servants that instead of proving a bitterness this self-denial when accompanied with humility would lighten every burden and sweeten every labor come to me all you that labor and are burdened and i will refresh you take up my yoke upon you and learn of me for i am meek and humble of heart and you shall find rest to your souls for my yoke is sweet and my burden light st matthew chapter eleven verses twenty eight through thirty the burden of our life is from ourselves its lightness from the grace of christ and the love of god humility takes off the weight of the burden for it overcomes that attraction to ourselves which hinders our ascent to purer things when we receive the light and grace of christ with humble subjection to their celestial influence and the seeds of eternal life are already within us in the act of submitting ourselves to their light yoke we pass from our troubles to his rich and tranquil life this in sum is the violence we have to do ourselves according to those never-to-be-forgotten words he who will lose his life for my sake shall find it end of lecture three part two